We turn to Matthew's account of the resurrection, Matthew chapter 28, and reading verses 1 through 15. Matthew 28, beginning at verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to look at the grave. And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone, rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who has been crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, just as he said. Come see the place where he was lying. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Behold, I have told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to report it to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and greeted them. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee, and there they will see me. While they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests, All that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers and said, You are to say his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this should come to the governor's ears, we will win him over and keep you out of trouble. And they took the money and did as they had been instructed. And this story was widely spread among the Jews. And is to this day. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for this word that we've just read today. Lord Jesus, you did just as you said you would do. You would die and you would rise again. And thank you that we celebrate today your resurrection and we have hope because of what you did. One day we will be resurrected. One day we will gather with those who love you and we will worship you. A great family reunion one day in glory. Thank you, O God, that you have provided the way for us to be adopted into your family, to be able to call you our Father, and to call one another brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, teach us, we pray, as we look into your word this day. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever been so scared that you were literally shaking? I had a classmate from high school who was usually pretty calm. But whenever he would talk to a girl... He got really nervous. Maybe you know someone like that. Maybe you were like that when you were, were younger. And so when it came time to ask a girl out on the date, it took him literally weeks to muster up enough courage to make the phone call. And as he was making the phone call, you could just, because some of us were there, 
you could hear it in his voice, the shaking in his voice, and you could see his, his hands as he was holding that telephone, literally shaking. Um, I don't know if you realize that, ladies, but you are kind of scary. Um, how am I going to make, what's she going to say? You know what? And so there he was, literally shaking. On the day that Jesus rose from the dead, there was a lot of shaking that day. First of all, the earth was shaken by the announcement of God's victory. If you're familiar with the Bible, you know that the shaking of the earth is a very common occurrence in Scripture. And an earthquake is often God's way of saying, I have an announcement to make. There is something very important that I want to say, and you better not miss it. It's interesting, during Holy Week, there were two earthquakes that took place. One of them is in the previous chapter, at the cross when Jesus died. Look at Matthew 27, verse 50. And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. And behold, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook, and the rocks were split. And there were some gathered there watching this. One of them was the Roman centurion. And look at verse 54 of chapter 27. It says, Now the centurion and those who were with him, keeping guard over Jesus... When they saw the earthquake and the things that were happening, became very frightened and said, Truly, this was the Son of God. That announcement was understood by that soldier that day. This, this man is no, no, uh, in the, he's a unique being. This is the Son of God. He, he recognized clearly that this was a, an announcement God was making. And then the second earthquake we find in our text in verse 2, Behold, a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and sat upon it. And so at the cross and at the tomb, the earth shook because the death and resurrection of Jesus are really earth-shaking events, aren't they? These events would forever change the course of history, and God did not want us to miss it. The death and resurrection of Jesus. Now, the reason why there was an earthquake at Jesus' tomb was not to move the stone away. Matthew tells us that the angel did that. The earthquake gets our attention, and it compels us to stop and look with the women inside the tomb. What did they see? Verse 5, The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who has been crucified. He is not here. For He has risen just as He said. And then He invited them to come and see the place where the Lord was lying. Yes, he was there, but he's, he's not there anymore because he has risen from the dead. There was no dead body in that tomb that day because Jesus was alive. 
I love how Peter puts it in his sermon on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and signs which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to the cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. And then Peter goes on to say, but God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. There was no way that death could hold Jesus in its power because he was victorious over the grave. And this is what separates Jesus Christ from every other religious figure from the past or for the future. His tomb is empty. He is victorious over sin. He is victorious over Satan. He is victorious over death. Up from the grave he arose. Robert Lowry in his hymn says, Death cannot keep his prey. Jesus, my Savior, He tore the bars away. Jesus, my Lord. The earth was shaken by the announcement of God's victory. Notice, secondly, the guards were shaken in response to God's glory. Prior to his death and resurrection, Jesus made it clear that he knew it was to come. And he told his disciples how many times the Son of Man is going to be crucified, and on the third day he's going to rise again. And it's just like it went in one ear and out the other, just like a guy watching a game on TV and your wife trying to talk to him, right? It just goes in one ear, comes out the other, right, honey? Yeah, so most women say, now look at me when I talk to you, right? Okay, well... How many times he told them, and yet they didn't get it. You know who remembered it? It was the religious leaders. They remembered. And if you look at the end of Matthew chapter 27, starting at verse 62, we read this. Now on the next day, after the preparation, the chief priests and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. And they said, Sir, we remember... Isn't that interesting? The disciples didn't. But we remember that when he was still alive, that deceiver said, after three days, I'm going to rise again. Therefore, give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal him away and say to the people, he's risen from the dead. And the last deception will be worse than the first. And so Pilate said to them, you have a guard? Go, make it secure as you know how. And they went and made the grave secure. And along with the guard, they set a seal on the stone. I'm not sure what these guards were thinking when they were guarding the tomb of Jesus. But they were about to receive the shock of their lives. Not only did they witness an earthquake, but they had a visitor from heaven. This angel of the Lord came down and his appearance was like lightning and his clothing as white as snow. 
And these brave guards of the tomb that day, verse 4 says, the guards shook for fear and became like dead men. These brave guards were terrified. They were shaking. They were so scared that they literally passed out. (laughs) Ever been that scared? Literally fainted? And there's a play on words here that we might miss with our English translations. The word shook in verse 4 has the same root as the word earthquake. So not only was the ground shaking, but these guards were shaking. And I love what William Hendrickson writes. He says, So overcome with fright were they that if anyone had been present at the scene, he could hardly have guessed what was shaking more the earth, or the members of the guard. These guys were scared. When an angel comes down and rolls a stone away, the earth is shaking, and and he has come from the presence of God, these men were terrified. And you might think that an experience like this would have changed their lives. At least maybe you'd consider that. I mean, after all, here they are at the tomb. Jesus is resurrected. This angel comes down. They pass out. And and yet, if you look at what Matthew goes on to write, their lives really didn't change, did they? Verse 11, Now while they were on their way, some of the guard came into the city, reported to the chief priests all that had happened. And when they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers. And then they said, here's the plan. You just say that his disciples, they came by night and they took the body away while we were sleeping. Don't worry about the governor. We'll take care of him. And so they, verse 15 says, they took the money and they did as they had been instructed. And as Matthew writes this gospel, he says that the story is still going on today. So Jesus' body was stolen. He really didn't rise from the dead. Guards got some money. And there it was. Now think of how these guards were emotionally shaken. These guys were were stirred to the very core of their being. They literally fainted there before these angels. And yet their life really didn't change, did it? They chose money instead of Jesus. And that is clear evidence that salvation is more than having your emotions stirred, isn't it? There are some people that go to a meeting and they get all stirred up emotionally, but there's no change in their heart because all they've had is just an emotional experience. I think of Paul when he was before Felix and and he was preaching about righteousness and judgment to come. We're told that Felix was, was scared, frightened, Acts 24, verse 25, and he told Paul, he says, go away for the present time. And when I find time, I'll I'll summon you. At the same time, too, he was hoping that money would be given him by Paul. Therefore, he also used to send word for him quite often and converse with him. But after a couple years had passed, we see no evidence that Felix was a changed man, just just emotionally stirred. It's like the guards that day. And so they were shaken. 
as they saw the glory of God. And I think of a relative of mine. Uh, we were at a funeral one day, and my dad had spoken that, at that funeral. And as we were walking out of the funeral home, my dad was talking to this relative of ours and was not a believer. And he said, Arnold, how about you? He said, how, how is it with you and Jesus? And you could tell that, that he had been stirred. He had been, God had been dealing with him. And he looked at my dad, he said, he said, Herb, he said, that was a good, that was a good sermon, he said, but let's just, let's just leave it in the church, he said. Let's just leave it there. And those are the last words that were spoken to this relative of mine, to my mom and dad, and within a few months he died suddenly of a heart attack. I don't know what happened between then and when he died, but it's more than being stirred emotionally. Just like these guards, just like Felix, he had been moved emotionally, but did he ever come to Jesus? Notice thirdly, the women were also shaken in astonishment of God's faithfulness. When the women came to the tomb that Sunday morning, they were expecting to anoint a dead body. But like the guards at the tomb, they too were about to receive the shock of their lives. The angel of the, at the tomb had an astonishing message for them. He isn't here. He is risen. Come and see the place where he was laying. And the women must have been shaking a bit too because the phrase, do not be afraid, can be translated, stop being afraid. <laughs> Not like, don't let fear come, but, but stop being afraid. And Mark adds in his account this phrase, that they were trembling. Trembling and astonishment had gripped them. Now, Certainly part of the astonishment would also be what the guards experienced with that angel coming and, and speaking to them with their garments as white as lightning coming with the glory of God. But another part of their astonishment is that they had been told by Jesus that he was going to rise again, and they had somehow forgotten that. In verse 6, the angel said, He is risen, and notice, just as he said. Kind of a mild rebuke there, isn't there? He is risen, just like he said he would. And Luke tells us in Luke 24, verse 8, that they remembered his words. How could they have missed it? How could they have doubted what Jesus had said? And yet the women weren't the only ones who missed what Jesus said. How about the apostles? They missed it too. And because of this, they were hiding. John 20, verse 19 says that they were behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. And so the angels sent these women to the disciples with a very important message. Verse 7, Go quickly and tell His disciples that He's risen from the dead. Behold, He is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see Him. Behold, I've told you. And they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy, and ran to report it to His disciples. And then Jesus meets them on the way, and He gives them the same message. Don't be afraid. 
Go and take word to my brethren to leave for Galilee. There they will see me. These shaken disciples needed to hear the earth-shaking news of Jesus' resurrection, and Jesus wanted to make sure that they didn't miss it. Tell my disciples. And it strikes me the way that Jesus describes his disciples in verse 10. Did you catch that? Not you cowardly deserters. (laughs) Because remember what they had said? Oh, Jesus, we will stand with you. We won't desert you. And, And they all left him and fled. Jesus didn't say you cowardly deserters. Or you faithless promise breakers. Go tell them. But he says, my brethren, go and take word to my brothers. That's a family term, isn't it? My brothers. And that's a fitting way to describe them because that's what Jesus did for them in his death and resurrection. He died for them. He rose again for them so that they could be a part of of the family of God. That they could call Him brother. That they could call God their Father. And that's what Jesus did for you and for me to adopt us into the family of God. Because that's what we need. We need to be adopted. And that's the picture that the Scripture gives us of salvation. That we have been not born into the family of God naturally, but we've been adopted by God. Through what Jesus did. Gerald Pennix describes the day he adopted his son. He said, I remember standing in front of the judge on the day of adoption. He pointed his finger and asked of me, Is anyone coercing you to adopt this little boy? After we had assured him that we were doing so out of love for our son, he made this statement. He said, from today on, he is your son. He may disappoint you, even grieve you, but he is your son. Everything you own one day will be his, and he will bear your name. Then he looked at the clerk and gave this command. So order a change in this child's birth certificate, and may it reflect that these are the parents of this child. He then says, It was then that I realized that my Heavenly Father loved me so much that without coercion, He made me His child. On that day, He changed my name, and I gladly bear His name and His image. Have you been adopted into the family of God? Can you say today that I know that Jesus is my Savior? I know that God is my Father. I have brothers and sisters in Christ scattered throughout the whole world. If not, you need to be adopted today. And when Jesus hung there on the cross, arms spread out, It's as if he was saying, I want you to be mine. I open my arms to you. I want to receive you as 
as my child. But the Bible says that we need to respond to that to as many as received him. To them he gave the right to be called the children of God, even to those who believe on his name. When Jesus died on the cross, he said, I receive you. Friend, will you receive him? Become adopted into the family of God. Jesus would not be ashamed to call you his brother or you his sister. That's why Jesus came. He died and he rose again that you and I might have life and might be a part of the family of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, at your tomb, the earth shook, announcing your victory. At your tomb, the guards shook as they saw your glory. At the tomb, the women shook as they were amazed, astonished at your faithfulness to your word. Lord, thank you that it is your desire to not just shake us or stir us emotionally, but to change our heart, to change our will, to literally transform us, to make us new creatures where old things pass away and all things become new, to adopt us into your family so that we can call God our Father and Jesus our brother. Lord, thank you that you are the victor. You are the conqueror. And we stand in your righteousness today. And Lord, I pray if there's someone here that does not know you as Savior, who cannot say for sure that I know that my Redeemer lives, that you would call them Lord by your Spirit, through your Word today. May they have the grace to say, Yes, Jesus, I need you as my Savior. I have sinned. I have fallen short of the glory of God. But I believe that you died for me. Oh, Lord, do that work in our midst today for the glory and the praise of your name. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.